This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. There are two ways home, down one long road, one clear path to two conclusions. Does the story end or never end? Does the secret fade or is it everlasting? I could return to my mother like nothing has happened. Is it everlasting? This is the uh, fantastic backstage fantastic. with Mel and Mike. I call it fantastic because I'm, you know, I'm close to it. Oh, I like that. <laughs> fantastic. What do you think, guys? The backstage with Mel and Mike. Once again, uh, that introductory track is from our um, musical of the week. The musical is Tuck Everlasting. That track is called Everlasting. More about that a bit later. I'll tell you all about it. Yeah. Because Mel's got all the gin. Uh, but you're, if you're experiencing the joy of being with us live for this Wednesday evening, then uh, I hope you enjoy your drive home at five o'clock. Yeah, happy. The traffic's manic out there. I've just yeah. come in and raced across town. Uh, yeah, it's manic out there. So I'm kind of pleased I don't leave till six because <laughs> yeah. I get past all that. It takes me on a good day to get home to, to Morrinsville or coming in from Morrinsville. It can take me 27 to 30 minutes. From right? the city. From my place to here to Free FM. Yeah. And 
if I strike it wrong in the morning and get the school traffic or the work traffic going home in the afternoon, it can take 45 minutes or more. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Especially trying to cross that bridge or the bridges, eh? Yeah. Anyway, looking back, <laughs> last week... That's right, we're not here to talk about traffic. Uh, last week, Nick Wilkinson joined us, and it was a pretty jolly time. It was. He was very urbane. Uh, well, he very was very what? Urbane. Uh, he was very urbane. Yeah, I don't know, know what that like means. Sophisticated and 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 um, I was going to say friendly, but you know, kind of social and. Um, oh yes, okay. I mean, what you would expect from Nick? He was all of those yeah, things. All yeah, of those yeah. Things. It was a good kind laugh. Of like James Bond and civvies. Oh, he is a bit like that, <laughs> he isn't he? Is don't tell like him that. No, I won't. Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> but we did have a good old chat about stuff he's done and uh, stuff he's doing at the moment, but mm-hmm. um, also some some of the more private stuff about Nick that I don't think many of us knew. Yeah, it's nice to find out little bits of extra information about, especially about people like Nick, who we know quite well. Mm. So it's cool to dig a little deeper. And you think you know things, and you assume things, but not always the truth. Yeah, that's right. Mm. We also talked about Shrek that's coming up. Uh, That's coming up at Clarence Street soon, and school holidays. And you're looking forward to that? I am looking forward to that. I am a bit of a fan. I I mean, I really like the old movies, because... They're silly and fun. Um, so I think, and I'm, a, yeah, I guess I'm a fan of the musical. Mm. It's silly fun. Go and see I, it. I haven't seen it, but everybody I know that has seen Shrek the Musical, even various other productions that have been done, have said it's it's great. The music's good. If you're um, ever going to see it, a story, pro company is. Uh, yeah, that's the probably the better it. option. Yeah. But uh, even at community theatre level, mm. I'll say even at, but at community <laughs> theatre level, other productions that have been done around the region that I know have gone down really, really well. Yeah, that's so right. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm keen to see it at Clarence Street because I want to see, you know, how good it can be. Yeah, me too. And I haven't managed to catch one of the um, touring kids shows yet, so I definitely will, will be getting myself a ticket. And the Full Monty was yeah, musical of the musical week. Of the week. What did you think? I, um, huh. I, I don't share the same passion for it that, that Nick has but yeah. you know, he, he's invested in it because he's been in the show and he knows what it's about but I'm, I'm, I would be keen to see it I think it's got its audience as yeah, well absolutely you know that, that big band jazz thing <laughs> that, that he likes that people yeah. like um, anywho we thought we would start the week off not by talking about Taki Everlasting because we'll get into that later uh, but we thought we would talk, start the week by talking a little bit about the upcoming build of the Waikato Regional Theatre. Well, the, you know, the ground's been broken, they're the hard at work on it now, and it's, it's quite evident when you drive past the site on Victoria Street... It is all that happening. ...that progress is, is underway. Um, it, it's turned out to be quite divisive, though, hasn't it? Yes, well, there are plenty... I think there are plenty of thoughts and feelings from various parties and people, uh, and I, I'm pretty interested to just, I guess, have a good old theatre debate with you. OK. And have a just... What, I mean, what are your initial thoughts... I'm enthusiastic about it. I think, you know, any time there's a new theatre being built, that gladdens my soul anyway. Mm. I understand people's nostalgia for founders. Yeah. And I'm part of that in a way because I used, when I was a teenager, I used to come through and see stuff in Hamilton. Mm. For me, uh, a great night out would be driving through from Patoru, coming to see a show. I, was, I saw all kinds of stuff at Founders Theatre. I, I saw Hamilton operatic shows. I saw uh, my sister's university graduation. I saw uh, travelling acts like Kenny Rogers in the first edition, Glenn Campbell, others that came and performed there. And I, th- I always thought 
that's a fantastic venue. Great theatre, mm. seats 1,200. Uh, it was always good to see from wherever you happen to be sitting. Yeah. You know, sight lines were great. And I thought, man, if I ever get the chance, I really want to perform on that stage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, never got there. Yeah, <laughs> didn't get the chance. I arrived here in 2015 and the next year, boom, doors were shut and nothing happening. So uh, I've missed that boat. And I, I have that nostalgic link to it because I came and saw stuff here and I understand people in particular who have performed on that stage have got a connection to it. But it doesn't, for me, qualify as a you know, building of historical significance. It was yeah. built in the 60s, mm. early 60s, uh, 50 years old. It really, you know, wasn't worth spending a lot of money on to try to get it up to spec. I don't know. Well, that's. I think that's where I sit with it. I'm not particularly attached to founders or what was founders. I I, mean, I did graduate there uh, and have, like you, seen plenty of things there. But I am a bit torn as to whether there needed to be a new venue or whether we could have saved money on upgrading the one we had. Yeah, and I guess that's where, where the divisiveness happen, happens to sit. You know, you, mm. you're on one camp or the other usually. Um, I... I kind of on the fence about that because I don't know the ins and outs of, of how the decisions were made. There was all kinds of talk about vested interests and people who said things that, that maybe um, were exaggerated at the time to mm. in order to push a particular agenda. Whatever's happened, it's happened. We're now at the point where a commitment is made to build a new theatre. Well, it's happening, isn't it? Yeah. So that's, that's underway. It'd be stupid to think you could pull the plug on something like that now. Mm. So we're going to have this new facility. It's going to be fabulous because it'll be state-of-the-art. It'll do us another 50, 60, whatever years before maybe that needs to be looked at again. Yeah. Whatever happens to the founder's site now, um, the fact that it's probably going to be turned into some sort of recreational, recreational facility of yeah. some sort, um, you know, that's just got to be the next phase of it for me. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm neither here nor there on the yeah, the existence of founders. I just want would like. To, I guess I could probably look into it. Um, but did the money really need to be spent on a new theatre? <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of there's plenty of homelessness and plenty of um, other good that could be done in the community. Mm. But I mean, I'm all for the theatre. I'd just be interested to have those conversations with the important people. Well, then there's the other level of concern about the new theatre is uh, that there is no provision for parking dedicated to that venue. This is something and that's that, a bone of contention. This is a real bone of contention for me. I actually got a little bit, not in a bad way, but a little bit involved on Facebook conversations, you know, as you do, mm -hmm. uh, months ago. And I, as a mobility impaired person, parking is actually something that's pretty important to me. I won't use the venue unless there's decent parking. And because the at, when I was participating in this conversation online, um, I was told that there was plenty of parking on Knox Street, which is just a couple of blocks away. Well, there's also plenty of parking in another parking building, which is just another couple of blocks in the other direction. And I thought that's all good and well for, you know, your regular able-bodied person. Mm. But what about your disabled community who... It's just a bit far for them to walk yeah, or go. Accessibility's got to be, I would have thought, one of the primary um, considerations I have, in this day and age. I'm surprised that that hasn't figured more I did have a pretty good look at the plans um, at that time, and there was there was like a little bit of disabled parking out the front and maybe around the back or underneath, but there, it didn't seem like it was really a major thought. Mm. 
although lots of disability advocates had been engaged. So I'm, again, be pretty keen to have those conversations with the important people. We did talk about getting uh, Calvin Eglinton on here well, a year or two ago. Mm. So maybe now's the time to con- I think continue probably, that conversation. If we think about it, there's probably two or three people that we could and should given to talk about these issues that's right about the development of the new uh, venue what it's going to mean in terms of affordability for groups that may want to use it mm-hmm. uh, is it being built just for visiting um, companies to come and bring touring uh, productions here i do is know it going to be out of reach for some of the smaller production companies that are local that's right i do know so Mem- the momentum foundation who are working on the rebuild i'm pretty sure they're overseeing the rebuild um Mark Servian, who works there, there's a real focus for him on com- the community getting mm. to access the space. And uh, there's a campaign at the moment called Share the Stage, which is about getting the community involved and excited about the regional theatre build. But I think they've got a little bit of work to do. And to, I mean, we see even venues like Founders and went, oh, we can't afford to use that, so mm. we don't bother. And yeah. it's not even really on our radar of thinking about it. And I feel a little bit that way about the regional theatre. Yeah. I can't, I'm never going to be able to afford... And Black Box Creative's never going to be able to afford a 1000 bucks per performance to put on a show there. Yeah. Oh, a 1000 bucks plus some. Um, so I'm interested to hear... In fact, let's get Mark Servian along next week, I reckon. Uh-huh. He can talk to us a bit more about that. If he's listening, you'll have a heads up on that now. But I, I think that's an important issue. Mm. Me and, too. And if you want to... Um, if you really want to foster and encourage local organisations to make use of the facility, you have to consider how much that needs to be subsidised and where that money would come from. That's right. And how you give that opportunity to local theatre makers. In the bigger picture, I am excited by it. I'm excited by the idea that we will have a performance facility in this city that will handle larger productions, that mm. will be a draw card for people in the whole region to come to, in the way that I did as a kid coming through from Pataruru to see stuff at Founders. I think people in some of the smaller centres around Hamilton will make the effort to come in and see stuff on a bigger stage. I think so too. I wonder if, it might, it, you know, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that we might see some of those um, touring productions from Australia come through. You know, the uh, the Book of Mormons or the Matilda or yep. the School of Rocks, you know, all the mm. ones that play in the Civic would they potentially play here if we had a decent venue? I think they likely would, given given the size of Hamilton and and where we're going over the next 20 years. And the outlying regions of people and theatre makers and theatre seers. Just on another subject altogether, what do you think about the fact that that location was chosen for it? Parking aside, Mm. is it a good part of the city for a facility like that? Yeah, this is another interesting discussion. I I know that looked at lots of different potential... Um, I don't know locations. what else they looked at, do you? I know that there were several on the list. Yeah, um, I... I mean, I don't know how I feel. I think it's tricky to put a venue like that in the middle of the city, but I see why you would. Mm. You know, dinner, a show, drinks, then a show, a show, then drinks. You know, Fuel I get the it. river, all of that. That's right, I get it. Um, and And it's you know, very likely that there are answers and responses to these concerns we have. Or not concerns, but we've heard of. Yeah. Um, so, right. Mark Servian, we're Mark coming Servian, for you. Yeah, we're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> if not next week, possibly the week after, we'll, uh, we'll get our people to get in touch with his people. Yeah, yeah, we right. sure will. Uh, so, ultimate thoughts? I think I'm, I'm positive about it. I, mm. I want to see it happen. I want to see it followed through. Um, but let's not 
shy away from having the discussions about some of the the more difficult parts of that whole project yeah when yeah putting founders to one side whatever happens happens as far as that goes now yeah yeah uh with this new facility what's that all about just just be transparent with us yeah we just want to know absolutely we want to know how it's going to affect us indeed Father clock, where I would teach time to my son. Our lessons began at twelve o'clock sharp, when the hands would come in as one. I'd say the big hand counts minutes, it's so tightly wound, it chases the small hand to make hours go. in the sky to tell a silver maple from a cottonwood I taught Thomas to divide and multiply but one he never understood was time as I watched him grow time he would never With a grandfather clock Where one day I woke up alone They feared I was magic They feared I was cursed But mostly they feared the unknown The big hands, the father The small hands, the son And there never came a time One. I taught Thomas how to catch a firefly, how to make a pebble skip and rowboat skim. She took Thomas and never said goodbye. The one thing I could never give to him was time. That is time from our musical of the week, Tuck Everlasting. Mel's choice this week, and it seems like a goodie. You're backstage with Mel and Mike on Hamilton's Free FM 89.0. And I don't know if I've mentioned it before. I may have in passing when we've made reference to the fact that uh, 
uh, Sherlock Holmes and the Baker Street Regulars is coming up soon at Playbox, uh, by Playbox at Riverley Theatre. That Mel is in the cast, but <laughs> I, I want to dwell on that a little bit, Mel, because I know that uh, you, you haven't done an awful lot uh, in terms of performance over recent years. You were in 12 Angry Men in Cambridge. That's I saw right. that production. Yeah. This is first outing since then, really, I think, isn't it? Yeah, so after, pitch, uh, after 12 Angry Men, we did Pitching a Tent. Um, oh, I never saw that. Uh, for the Gardens Arts Festival or 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I haven't done any acting since then. Um, I've just been directing and producing and yeah, no, presidenting. That, that, um, stuff that keeps you busy anyway. <laughs> yeah. But um, performing in this particular production, you're playing Mrs. Hudson, who, uh, if my memory serves correctly, is, is Sherlock Holmes's landlady. Yep, right? she is. She runs the house. Yep. So... Tell me about it. Tell me about what you get to do. Yeah, so uh, I honestly lined up uh, auditioning for, for Sherlock Holmes because uh, the auditions came up pretty much right after the wedding and my wedding. And so I thought I need something else to look forward to now that the wedding's <laughs> over. Um, so I, I lined myself up and auditioned there and got Mrs. Hudson, I think probably because there was a shortage of older women uh, auditioning and... It's bizarre for me to look at you and have you say something <laughs> like that in front of me, an older woman. Older-ish. I've got shoes as old as you, Mel. <laughs> um, I bet you don't. Um, so I'm playing Mrs Hudson. She's the landlady of Sherlock and Dr Watson and they... Uh, she's just she's kind of a bit of a comic relief. She's ridiculous. She mm. comes in and fannies about and, and um, makes all sorts of ridiculous assumptions and... Make and and I have a lot of fun. Good. Yeah, it's, it's complete silliness, which I'm really excited for. The play directed by Glenn Matthews, and from what I've seen, actually, quite a sizable cast. Yeah, it is actually. There's it's a big cast of mostly children. So there's uh, a five adults, five adults, and the rest of kids. So it's about it was mounted to be a, a youth production, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. So uh, the Baker Street Irregulars, Sherlock Holmes and the Baker Street Irregulars, the Irregulars are a gang of, of street kids, pickpockets, um, urchins, I suppose. And So what is this, 1800s or something? Yeah, 1800s. So yeah. very, like, old, old, old times. And that Sherlock Holmes has gone missing and the irregulars show up led by Wiggins who promises to find out what happened to Sherlock Holmes and all the adults are very like no 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 Sherlock Holmes is dead and because we all think he's dead but Wiggins is pretty sure nope Sherlock Holmes is not dead and I'm going to solve the case and he does um, so Sherlock appears at the end I don't know I can't tell you that spoilers <laughs> Uh, if you would like Fair to enough. know whether or not Sherlock Holmes... Come see the show. Come see the show, that's right. All right. Um, can you give me any idea? I guess... I, I don't want any spoilers. I was going to ask you something about the the plot to maybe give me a hint as to what happens, but I don't think I should. There's a little bit of young romance. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of adults being ridiculous. And some wonderful, wonderfully talented children. I mean, they're not children; they're teenagers. They're they're young people, uh, and they're very talented. You'll know young Hamilton, yeah. um, who's playing Wiggins. He's wonderful, and we've just got some real talent on our stage. So this is a, it's a comedy, right? Yeah. A, but a, a young a young person's comedy story adventure yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and the Irregulars were created by Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh, were they? Uh, yeah, yeah. So he wrote them as, I guess, an answer to what he was writing for Sherlock for kids. 
Okay, and so this is a derivation of that some playwright has, has put it together. Who, who actually wrote it, do you know? Uh, no, I should know, but I don't know. <laughs> but it's directed by Glenn Matthews yeah. at, um, for Playbox coming up, uh, opening on the 2nd of July. Okay, so bookings are up and out through uh, iTicket, I would guess. Yeah, they sure are. Yeah. Just pop onto Excellent. the website. Well, so that you can put Sherlock Holmes and the Baker Street Irregulars into your diary or your calendar or whatever the list is that you use to rule your life, along with a bunch of other stuff that's happening around the place soonish, let's go through the list. At the Meteor, An Oak Tree by Tim Crouch uh, is directed, is being directed or has been directed by Gay Paul for Carving an Ice. That's on right now until June the 18th. And you saw it when? I saw Opening it last up? night. Okay. Yeah, I think that was I want to night. talk about that soon. Yeah, well, let's come... Because that was an interesting concept. It's a great concept. Let's come back to it. Okay. Hui, pronounced Hui, devised by Henirangi Maria Berryman and Benny Marama, June 29th until July the 1st. That Bloody Woman's coming up, directed by Courtney Mayle and Kyle Chuan for Bold Theatre in August. And The Pillow Man, a new addition to the list by Martin McDonough, directed by Jason Wing for Wing Valley Productions. That hits the stage in October. They've just had auditions, haven't they? They have just had auditions. I don't know if they've announced their cast yet. But okay. well, well, we'll find out in due course. We'll hold our breath for that. At Riverley Theatre, celebrating Matariki with Dane Moeke and friends, uh, happening this Saturday, June the 18th. Sherlock Holmes and the Baker Street Irregulars, as we just mentioned, directed by Glenn Matthews for Hamilton Playbox, opens July the 2nd, runs to the 16th. And my production of Geezers for Hamilton Playbox is hitting the stage uh, properly this time on August the 20th. Don't jinx it. At Clarence Street <laughs> Theatre, yeah, yeah, at Clarence Street Theatre, Shrek the Musical, uh, as we talked about in great length last week, uh, directed by Nick Wilkinson, hits the stage July 19th till the 23rd for the July school holidays. And Krishnan's Dairy, presented by Indian Inc., that comes September the 8th until the 10th. Navarra Lounge tonight is open mic night. Uh, doors are open at 6, open for people to view, of course. Bookings to perform are always essential, and I gather the list tonight is pretty full. Tomorrow night, uh, Lucian Johnson Quartet are playing at 8.30, and Table Fox are in for uh, this Friday, 7.30, as part of their album tour for their new third album, Battles. Uh, so th- I think they're, they're supported by uh, Date Month Year local band oh, yeah. and another band from Gisborne whose name escapes me I'm sorry but that's Friday nice at the Wallshed Theatre in Te Aumudu, tell us a story presented by Te Aumudu Light Operatic Society curated by a couple of their members out there that's on stage as well right now until June the 19th Burnsville Theatre have their one-act play festival running from June the 23rd to the 25th they pl- present all three plays each night Husband's Husband Murderer's Support Group, directed by Eckhard Becker. Timepieces, directed by Chris Green. And Chug, directed by Rob Ormsby. At the Gaslight Theatre, the, the Things I Know to Be True by Andrew Bovell and directed by Chrissy Hodkinson. That goes to stage July 30th until August the 13th. Couple of others to out of her little theatre. Death and Taxes by April Phillips, directed by John Watson. Opens June 23rd, runs to July the 2nd. And Potoru Theatre Players are presenting The Mousetrap by Agatha Christie. That's opening up in September. Sure is. And they've got their AGM on Friday night this week too, so if you're a local, get along and support them. Get along to the AGM. We love a good AGM. Uh, Rotorua Musical Theatre have streaking through the 70s, directed by Shona Clout. That's coming up July 15th. That's just a month away and runs until the 30th. 
Let's go to Tauranga, 16th Avenue Theatre, Puffs, directed by Laura Mansell, opens July the 18th, running to the 23rd. At Detour Theatre, The Old People Are Revolting by Devin Williamson, directed by Kim Williamson, opening tomorrow, running through to July the 2nd. And at Tauranga Musical Theatre, they're in rehearsal for We Will Rock You, that's hitting Baycourt Stage in September. Theatre Fakatania also rehearsing hard. School of Rock, the musical, is coming up, directed by Sue Harris. That opens on June the 22nd and runs till July 9th. Auckland Theatre Company, Scenes from a Yellow Peril by Nathan Joe, directed by Jane Yong. June the 21st, running through to July the 3rd. Long Day's Journey in Tonight, the Eugene O'Neill play, directed by Shane Bosher, opens July the 5th, running to the 30th. And Dawn Raids, Oscar Kitely's play, is opening August 16th, running to September the 3rd. Over the way, Auckland Live have The Wedding Singer coming up, the musical, presented by David Venn Enterprises. That plays at the Bruce Mason Centre from June the 30th till July the 17th. The Girl from the North Country has been brought over from Australia, presented by the G- by GWB Entertainment. That plays at the Civic in Auckland uh, from June 30th until July the 16th. And Oliver is being presented by the National Youth Theatre, and that plays in the Kiritakanoa Theatre at the Aotea Centre from July 1st until the 3rd. Upcoming auditions and opportunities. The Miss Cadaver Undead Beauty Pageant uh, taking entries for the final ever Miss Cadaver contest right up until August the 1st. If you want to be into that, email sandrajensen99 at yahoo.com for more information. And auditions have been announced, uh, as we told you last week, for the Rivoli Theatre Christmas season of Saturday Night Fever. It's been directed by our Mike Williams. Uh, he's been helped out a bit by Amelia Jennings and John O'Hawthorne, who are choreographer and musical director, respectively. Auditions are taking place June 25th and 26th, and you can find out more information by jumping on the Rivoli Theatre Facebook page. Yes, audition spaces are still open. And although we're looking at two very full days at the moment. You're packing up fast, really aren't you? Yeah. That's exciting. Don't forget, if there is a show or an audition opportunity you want us to spread the word about, want us to get it out there, just send us an email, backstagepodcastnz at gmail.com. Or a simpler way might be to just, you know, tackle us when you see us around the place. <laughs> if you tackle Mike when you see him at the theatre, I will pay you money. <laughs> <laughs> it's water and it's in the wood. Who has a spring in his step? It's true, there's a bounce in each cup. This has been feels young again, just when he was used to feeling old. Well, I take a look at my suit. A yellow has acquired a glow. Spinning into gold Golden like the sun Rising in the east Golden with that brand new dish Golden like the years It took to get me here Soon everything's golden And everything's mine Soon I'm gonna be the richest son of a gun there ever was Pay a fortune for a sip of forever, huh? Not sure when the water is mine. Don't tell me you wouldn't buy.
and making sure you never die. My purpose, my plan, my hope is on Tetra. Strike it rich, rule the world, etc., etc. And of course, become immortal somewhere along the way. And everything's mine. Come on, ladies, one last dance before I make my millions. Backstage with Mel and Mike, and as if probably tell that as a show tune, <laughs> the way it finishes. <laughs> Classy ending. Great. Thanks to the sponsorship and support of uh, 89.0 Free FM and Creative Waikato. Our musical of the week is Tuck Everlasting, and that track was called Everything's Golden. I will get Mel to spill the beans on Tuck Everlasting shortly, but before you spill the beans on that, Mel, mm. uh, you mentioned in passing before that you uh, were at the uh, opening night of Oak Tree mm-hmm. uh, at the Meteor, yep. which is a carving and ice production. Give me your reactions to that. But first of all, do the setup. Tell, remind me and others uh, what the concept was for this particular play. Yeah, so uh, I personally didn't know anything about the plot or the story of the play. But what what I did know prior to going in was that uh, there is one actor who is the same every night and has rehearsed for months and then there is another actor who has not rehearsed at all and goes in completely blind um, and is fed their part in the show throughout the show. Is it just a two-person show? It is. Okay. Yeah. Um, And it's... The script is very clever. Um, Richard Homan plays a hypnotist and so that's kind of how the setup happens um, and you meet a character who, for fear of people listening uh, that are performing, I won't say too much more. Um, I'm sure Liam Hinton is probably not listening, but if he is, I I would hate to ruin the experience for him. Um, But... And this is this is the way it is written. That it is intended that I one of so. the, the, the other character comes in totally blind, has no idea what they're going to be asked to do. I believe so. Yeah, I think it could be a comedy, but it could also be uh, the opposite of a comedy. You know, I didn't feel like the show I saw was a comedy um, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I suspect if you saw it tonight, say with Nick Clothier, with Nick Clothier, you would 
probably say it is a comedy. Right. Uh, so I think it depends on the actor. Um, but the, the Richard Homan, the guy who plays the hypnotist, he uh, opens the show by saying every word we speak tonight is scripted. Uh, this is Missy Mooney. She is playing this character. She, and he outlines the character, you know, so we know what we're looking at. Um, and she just does everything she's told to do. And she is fed lines through an earpiece or has a script? At some, it's both. It's, okay. it's a bit of a mix of um, he goes through the play offering her clipboards um, and say, okay, now you need to read from here to here. Or he will say, um, uh, say this, repeat after me, say this, and then she'll say this. and Or he'll say, I'm going to say this now, you don't say anything. And, <laughs> and it's a real, it must be a real experience for the actor. Oh, my gosh. Um, but we watched Missy you know, almost break down in tears during the performance because of how powerful the performance was from her where she was standing. Okay. So it was a really... I, 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 harrowing is the word I've used, but I, can't, I do mean it in a positive way. Um, it was harrowing, but it was a really intriguing um, concept. Theatrical experience, yeah. I personally think there are ways it could have been done... Um, with a little bit more pizzazz, personally, but the bare bones things work, thing works as well. Mm. Um, and it's, I think that's a personal preference thing. Because um, it's, it's almost like improvisation, but not because everything is scripted, but you have no idea, as a, one of the performers has no idea where they're going next. Well, I thought it was a more of an improv thing, but I learned pretty much as I walked into the theatre that it is less, well, it's no improv. I yeah. suppose it could be. But um, there's very little improv. You do what you're told well, to do. Well, improvisation in the sense that uh, your uh, reaction as a performer to what you're discovering about the character probably becomes a lot more visceral and a lot more immediate. I think that's exactly you know, the, the what happens. The reaction to the things that you're having to say or the things that you're learning as you go through. Yeah, probably I think... Probably gives for a, quite a, a real experience. It was... You could sort of see Missy was acting but also not acting. Mm. She relayed... She, yeah, it was. You could almost see herself as it was happening, relating to the character in some ways, and it was just harrowing. <laughs> I think it was harrowing, okay. and I would love to see Nick Clothier do it tonight or Liam Hinton do it later in the week because I I really feel like I now need to see every single person do it mm -hmm. because I would love to see what somebody else does with it, and I I think there's room for the guest actor to not behave themselves, mm. you know, to not follow the rules so what do you do in that situation i would love to see that pan out yeah. so interesting reaction. i i you know go see it i actually <laughs> would I go see it all right change of pace our musical of the week tuck everlasting mel hit me go okay. ahead tell me everything i need to know about it okay well i can tell you that there's not much of a production history so most of what i'm going to tell you is about the show about the story okay um so Let's get into it. Tuck Everlasting is a musical based upon the American children's novel Tuck Everlasting by Natalie Babbitt. It features music by Chris Miller, lyrics by Nathan Tyson, and a book by Claudia Scheer and Tim Fidel, with direction and choreography by Casey Nicolor. The musical had its premiere at the Alliance Theatre in Atlanta, Georgia in 2015. It began Broadway previews on, in March of 2016 and opened a month later in April uh, at the Broadhurst Theatre in New York City. And it closed uh, at the end of May, just a month after that, uh, after 39 performances. So, 
knowing that we don't have massive There's not a lot to go on, is it? No. In terms of production history. Uh, uh, it is... It was a movie when I was a, a, a teenager. Um, the girl who played Rory in Gilmore Girls, she plays the lead, the lead young lady, Winnie. Yeah, um, but not a musical movie. No, just not a, a musical movie, movie just yeah. a movie. Um, beautiful, I think it's Disney even. Um, so it's a beautiful film that I would never have anticipated it being, because there's no, uh, there's no alluding to music or singing or... Right, you know, it's quite strange. Anyway, uh, the show opens in Tree Gap, New Hampshire, where the various characters name what they want most in the world. Winnie Foster to go to the fair, May Tuck to see her sons again, Jesse Tuck to take in the familiar sights of Tree Gap, Miles Tuck to be unstuck in time, and the man in the yellow suit to learn the secret of the Tree Gap wood and become immortal. Winnie goes into her house, where she spends most of her time with her mother Betsy and her grandmother, now that her father has died. She wishes for a life bigger than their living room and wants to explore Tree Gap Wood. After running outside once again, Winnie encounters a parade led by the man in the yellow suit that leads to the fair. Desperate to see the fair, Winnie Foster opens the gate and runs into the wood after the faint sound of a music box. There she meets Jessie Tuck, who drinks from the spring. To keep her from doing the same, Jesse offers to show her what he calls the top of the world, as seen from the tree. After he and Miles kidnap Winnie and bring her back to the Tuck's house to keep her from revealing their secret. At, back at the foster home, Betsy has called on Constable Joe and his son Hugo to search for Winnie. The Tucks, across the wood from the fosters, tell Winnie the history of the Tuck family and how they have become immortal by drinking the water in Tree Gap Wood. Winnie stays the night with the Tucks, and while finding clothes for Winnie to wear, May tells her the story of the day when her husband, Angus, proposed to her. Winnie decides that staying in the Tuck family's attic is its own kind of adventure. Still, she eventually decides to sneak out with Jessie to go to the fair. At the fair, Winnie and Jessie play games, decide to become friends that travel the world together. They leave the fair and sit on top of the Tree Gap water tower where Jessie convinces Winnie to drink the water when she turns 17 so they can be married. The man in the yellow suit overhears Jessie's speech and decides to follow the tucks to get the enchanted water. And so is the end of Act 1. Hmm. Immortality. Yeah. Mm. I'm into the whole time thing. Mm. Anyway, Act uh -huh. 2. Act 2 opens with the man in the yellow suit celebrating his victory with those from the travelling fair. Back at the Tuck's house, Winnie contemplates Jessie's proposal. The Tucks discover that Jessie has asked Winnie to drink the water and they become pretty angry with him. Winnie talks to Miles about his son Thomas, whom May mentioned earlier, and Miles share, shares how he, has not been, how he has not seen Thomas in 80 years. Then the Tucks then lament what it means to be stuck in time forever and aim to live more fully in the coming years. The man in the yellow suit visits the Fosters and convinces Betsy to give Tree Gap Wood to him if he can safely bring Winnie home. Constable Joe and Hugo see the man leaving the Foster home and remark that you can't trust a man dressed in yellow. <laughs> Angus takes Winnie fishing and attempts to convince her to live a mortal life instead of drinking the water with Jessie. Miles approaches and tells them that Jessie has gone without saying goodbye, and Winnie says they can find him at the spring in Tree Gap Wood. 
There, Jesse encounters the man in the yellow suit who tells him of his long journey to find the spring and forces Jesse to take him there. The Tucks and Winnie find Jesse and the man in the yellow suit who offers to make them partners in his water selling business. After the man takes Winnie hostage, Jesse offers him a vial of water in exchange for her. Before he can drink it, however, May hits him on the head with a rifle and kills him instantly. (laughs) When Constable Joe and Hugo arrive, Winnie tells them that she killed the man in the yellow suit when he tried to pull a knife on her and Jesse. Close to being exposed, the Tucks leave town on the advice of Constable Joe. They say goodbye to Winnie and offer her their music box, thanking her for reminding them that there is still something to live for. Jesse says he will leave instructions on how to find him and leaves her with a vial of water for the, from the spring. Winnie contemplates drinking the water and what it means to live forever. She ultimately decides to live out her mortal life and pours the water on her toad instead. She has a toad. I, uh, that's the first time <laughs> I've heard of the toad. Uh, through a ballet sequence, the ensemble shows the remainder of Winnie's life. She marries Hugo and has a son, while her grandmother, Constable Joe and Betsy pass away one by one. Before she dies, Winnie opens the Tuck's music box and dances one last time at the gate of the foster home as she did when she was young. The Tucks return to Tree Gap after Winnie has died and discovered her, discover her grave, which is dedicated to a cherished wife, devoted mother and dearest grandmother. They celebrate the fact that she lived a full life and encountered the toad when he made a mortal with the water from the spring. And that's, that's, that's all there was to say about the, the show. Uh, Tuck Everlasting was originally slated to make its world premiere at the Colonial Theatre in Boston, Massachusetts. However, the premiere was cancelled because of a lack of theatre availability for its planned subsequent production in New York. It subsequently made its world premiere at the, as I mentioned, the Alliance Theatre in Atlanta, Georgia. That production ran from January to February of 2015. Uh, In its review of the Atlanta production, the New York Times said, Indeed, the most dazzling passage is probably the culminating ballet, wordlessly conveying the circle of life, as it were, without the benefit of spectacular puppetry and a familiar pop song. It had the woman next to me repeatedly wiping away tears, and I understood how she felt. That's quite an interesting comment. I mean, after 39 performances closing, I'm surprised to hear that, but... Anyway, Variety said, despite its existentialism light sweep, this is an intimate family story of love, loss, and the purpose and power of storytelling in the American folk tradition of Twain and Wilder. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, 39 performances and that's it. But uh, I know, I'm not sure why or what happened. I must look into that, actually. I would, have, I would have thought with a critical reaction like that, that audiences would have been, you know, had, had their curiosity peaked at least and, and wanted to see it. Obviously, there just wasn't the buy. Maybe it didn't sell well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty obscure story. You know, unless you know that old movie or the book, you probably don't care that much. Well, it's all totally new to me. And, and yeah. you know, I'm kind of interested. I, I, I'm trying to imagine how this could be staged. Yeah, yeah. It's quite a beautiful story. And I mean, sort of what we've heard from the tracks today, which is the original broad, uh, Broadway cast recording. Um it's you know, it is very folky and it's got yeah. that magical, mystical sort of feel about it. Um, I'm into it. Mm. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, and as we've been lamenting, uh, it closed. It began previews in, on Broadway March 2016. Cl- opening night was April 2016, and then it closed May 2016 after 28 previews and 39 regular performances. Yeah, it's not much. It's not I much. Bet. I'd have to guess that, you know, box office would be the only answer there, that if it wasn't making its way, then the producers would have said, hey, we're going to can this. 
to be honest, knowing how many performances it didn't have in comparison to some of the shows we talk about, yeah. uh, that makes me really curious. Like, I feel like I have to go and find out what it was. I have to go and find a bootleg. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I want to see something of it. Mm. And I'm also curious to know if it has become immediately available for community theatre or whether it's just buried somewhere waiting for an off-Broadway uh, production or something like that. That's perhaps. a good question Because we're too, talking yeah. about, what, six, seven years ago? It uh, might be sitting with a licensing five company. Years, five or six years ago for the broad- closure of the Broadway production. So put COVID in the middle of that, perhaps it's you know waiting to be resurrected. It could be a revival on the way. Vague flashes in my mind of having seen the poster for it on MTI's catalogue. Uh-huh. Uh, but I can neither confirm nor deny. Okay, fair enough. And that's all I have to say about that. Well, you know what? Uh, it's just about taking us to the point where it's all over for another week. How did that happen so quickly yeah. again? I know we just kind of let the passage of time run away. We need some of that immortal water. It's <laughs> going. But that's fascinating, though. An interesting backstory on that production. And if you peaked at all like we are, uh, had your curiosity peaked, then uh, probably would be a good idea to do some Googling and find out what you can about... Um, Tuck everlasting. If you find a bootleg recording, uh, yeah, let us know. Let me or a, a slime tutorial. Let me know. I love the fact that when we talk about our musical of the week, and we say, you know, each week, uh, this is the way we do it. Uh, Mel and I take turns for a couple of weeks at a time uh, to choose the musical of the week, and we try to bounce between stuff that everybody knows mm. and the stuff that maybe has a bit of history to it. Uh, between that and stuff that is a little bit more off the wall or yeah. less, less well-known. And this definitely is one of those ones that's kind of been well under the radar because I didn't even know the title, didn't know about the movie. Uh, at all, never even and heard it of it. had no reference point for me at all. And yet, um, you know, listening to the music and hearing that synopsis, I kind of agree with the, uh, the reviewer that said it's uh, storytelling in the American folk tradition, mm. you know, kind of like Mark Twainish kind of stories. There's a moral in there somewhere yeah. about... You know the value of living family forever. connections and yeah, all of that, and yeah. the the perils of living forever. That's right. Um, and I, I'm surprised that that hasn't resonated more with an audience. But uh, I wonder there could if be it, tons of reasons for that. We would probably glossed all over them. Well, yes, I, I do wonder if it got lost a little bit in the hype of Dear Evan Hansen and Hamilton and up against some pretty tough opposition. You know, Broadway yeah. had a pretty a few pretty around this time had a few pretty good years, yeah. and so I just wonder if it just didn't make the cut. Uh, in those years with those big shows. Well, having dug that one out for us, I can't wait to see what you come up with for next week because it's your turn again for next week. Oh, I'm going to have to top myself. We'll see what I can do. <laughs> see what I can do. Um, but if you're interested in the soundtrack, also Mel will make sure that the link is there for uh, the original Broadway cast soundtrack uh, when we put up our Instagram yeah, check uh, out, post. Yeah, check out Instagram, check out Facebook. I'll be sharing all the links yeah. and all the things. Thanks to Free FM, uh, as always, for hosting us, and thanks to Creative Waikato for sponsoring us. You can catch up on Backstage uh, past episodes and, in fact, on this episode as well through accessmedia.nz, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, your favourite podcast platform it'll be there check out facebook and instagram as mel said for the backstage updates and other bits and pieces that we throw up there from time to time yeah do mike and i will be back next week with another musical of the week definitely probably a friend from the theater community involved in regional theater like i said cough mark Mark Servian. Servian. (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) uh and there are others that we could tap on the shoulder too they certainly are and we will 
We will, absolutely. We're going to take our bows and leave the stage today with Live Like This from our musical of the week, Tuck Everlasting. Stay classy, theatre nerds. See you.
this, like this, like this, live like this forever. Today a new town and a new one tomorrow. My whole life employed to a traveling fair. You may wonder why this old barker barks on. It's the trail no one knows I have stumbled upon. <laughs> Let this be the day that I learn the secret and find who holds the key to what I'm looking for. I will knock on every door in Tree Gap. New Hampshire to live like this, live like this, live like this, Let this be the day where something will something happen. Will happen. Use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.